Welcome to Windsor Christian Fellowship Church Podcast. Our church vision is to win generations to Christ, connect them to His master plan, empower them to succeed, and grow the kingdom of God. For other podcast resources or more information about Windsor Christian Fellowship, please visit us at www.wcf.ca. So glad you all joined us today, some of you remote, some of you in person. And uh, we are concluding today our series on the days of Noah. And uh, I'll, I'll remind you, we kind of went through, you know, 10 or 12 weeks of content here. We talked about the Great Wars, we talked about Armageddon, we talked about, you know, the Gog of Magog War. Uh, we talked about how Hitler's the Antichrist. Actually, no, we didn't. But... We did, but we didn't. But if you don't know what I'm talking about, you can go back and watch it on YouTube. We went through the seven churches of Revelation. My wife and James talked about uh, the 10 virgins. Uh, we did all the concepts of the rapture. How many are convinced of your view of the rapture now after we were done? <laughs> Clear as mud. <laughs> Love it. <laughs> um, we did the seven seals and then um, I was out for two weeks. Um, so uh, Pastor Larry and and Mitch did the seven trumpets, and then Pastor Larry and Kieran did the seven bulls. Um, but we learned through that that God is redemptively working through people in the earth, even as he pours out his wrath, his heart is for humans to repent of their sin yeah. and turn their lives to him. Yeah. Last week we did transhumanism with Matt, and today the finale, the glorious church. How many want to be the glorious church? How many think we are the glorious church? How many think we've got some work to do? Yes. <laughs> yep. Yep. Go ahead. Can I just say, Pastor RJ? Oh, though, absolutely. That um, honestly, being up on stage with such awesome people over the last 12 weeks or whatever it's been, um, for me has been an incredible honor and uh, a privilege to be able to uh, share God's word with godly people. Um, I know that you don't see me up here very often. But uh, to be able to do it like this um, was, uh, was absolutely awesome. I enjoyed every minute of it. As did I. It was. It was a treat. <laughs> but as we talk about this, we get started into this topic of the glorious church. Um, I want to start by reading a passage in Ephesians chapter 5. And uh, I'm going to pick apart the, the wording... I'm not going to read the entirety of the verses, but I'm going to be referencing verse 25 and verse 27 and just fit them together to make a statement, just to introduce the whole topic of the glorious church. It says, Christ loved the church. Let me pause for a minute. I'm not sure if you caught what I just said. Christ loves the church. Amen. I, I, I thought we'd all be saying amen. 
Like that's a glorious thing right there. Christ loves the church. There we go. He gave up his life for her to present her to himself as a glorious church. And what is that glorious church? A church without a spot or wrinkle or any other blemish. Instead, she is to be holy and without fault. Anybody there? No, not, not me. Anybody? No. You know, um, I found this incredible quote, actually, on the internet. It's uh, from truthfortheworld.org. And um, on that website, it, it made this declaration. The church is an emotional subject to write about because it took the death of the Son of God on the cross of Calvary to bring the church into existence. I can imagine tears swelling up in the eyes of the father as he watched his own son hanging in agony on the cross to bear the sins of the world and to purchase the church with his blood. Previous to this, he had seen his being denied by Peter, forsaken by his disciples, who has been his close companions for three years now, scoffed at, ridiculed, and tortured by the Jews who were his own brethren in the flesh and cruelly crucified by the Romans. Doesn't sound very glorious to me. I'm not sure about you. And yet today, are things that much different? I don't know. Do we have a glorious church in the earth? There's glimpses of it in some places. And then in other places, I think that there's a lot of, there's a lot of division. So there has to be unity within the glorious church, but more importantly, there has to be love. And uh, when we're talking about the glorious church, I think the emphasis for today is going to be love. And it's a key element when we understand that God is always going to love us more than we love him. Mm -hmm. He's always loved us, even before he created us. And um, we often see him through a lens based on our limited knowledge of God. It's true. That affects our relationship with him and our ability to either receive love from him or even to give love to him. And uh, so our flawed love we have to improve upon within our love walk. And in Matthew 5, the Bible says, you've heard the law that says, love your neighbor and hate your enemy. But I say, love your enemies, pray for those who persecute you. In that way, you'll be acting as true children of your Father in heaven. For he gives this sunlight to both the evil and the good, and he sends rain on the just and the unjust alike. I'm going to stop right there. We as Christians, self-included, we have a hard time with this sometimes, don't you? Did you ever see the wicked prosper? Did you ever see someone corrupt get away with something evil and you think, where's the justice? You know? You ever see somebody cutting you off on the road? Oh, (laughs) we got a lot of mileage on this. So last night, I went to pick up my daughter in the snow. She works Chick-fil-A by the mall and... And uh, anyway, so on my way to the mall, there was a couple things that happened. The first thing that happened is when we were driving down six concessions, someone decided to drive half in my lane, half in theirs. Like the center of the road was theirs. So I almost ended up in the ditch trying to avoid them. Um, and, and they weren't moving. 
So I think they really thought they were in their lane. They were looking at me like, why is that guy in my lane? But I'm like, uh, you've got three feet on my side of the line. So I was a little bit on edge. But then by the mall, there's two lanes. One goes to the right, you straight to the mall, and one you turn left. Well, because he didn't clean his back windshield, he just moved into me. So I kind of had to break quick and go up on the, anyway. So I was not very happy with him. I wasn't thinking love walk. I was thinking I wanted to smack him. <laughs> and at least ask him to wipe his window so he could see what's going on, you know? And anyways, so um, they're going to refer back to that for the rest of the service now. <laughs> I was very challenged in my love walk last night. And the stupidest thing of this all, I got behind the same guy on the way back home. <laughs> if I didn't learn my lesson the first or the second time. And he did something else really foolish too because we were going down Howard and there was a car on the side of the road. So he decided to slam on his brakes in the snow and stop in the middle of the road to have a conversation with the guy. Not pull over to the side and talk to him. Just stop in the middle of the road. I'm like, dear Jesus, help me. So we get frustrated okay, when the sun shines on evil people, don't we? <laughs> but we have to remember all the time, God loves those people more than we love those people. That's right. And he still loves us too. <clears throat> and sometimes they're thinking we're the evil people. But here's the part that is hard. Because so many times we want to take situations into our own hands and deal justice as we think we should. But how many know you will never be able to produce the peaceable fruits of righteousness that God will produce if you just give it to him and allow God to work in the situation? Because he loves them and he wants to restore them and he wants them to have a good journey too. And that's frustrating for people like me. Because when I see people that are corrupt and taking advantage of others and, you know, oppressing the poor, I hate that. Or the children. Or the children. But see, what happens is God says, he'll deal with them. But if they repent, he'll turn things around for them. But if they don't, they have to argue with God. I would rather let God handle those situations than me personally. And that's hard to do sometimes. But it goes on and it says, if you love only those who love you, what reward is that? Even corrupt tax collectors do that much. If you're kind only to your friends, how are you different from anyone else? Even pagans do that. But you are to be perfect even as your father in heaven is perfect. So when we're talking about the glorious church, he's coming back for a church that's in love. Yeah. Not just with Jesus, but with people and each other. And in Matthew 24, it says, the love of many will grow cold. We've talked about this, but I find it interesting. If you back up a little bit, he's talking about the greatest commandment. And he summed up all of the law and the prophets in two statements. Love God first with all your heart, soul, and mind. And then he said, the second one is love your neighbors yourself. So God took all 612 of the Old Testament laws, the Ten Commandments, and Jesus summed it up in two statements, love God, love people. Okay? And, and from there, um, he really launched the law of love that we're to operate in today. Mary, why don't you comment on that from Ephesians 5? Well, first of all, you took my part. I know. <laughs> but you love me so much. I do. I hold no record of wrong. <laughs> That's what love Maybe does. Maybe we should come back to that. <laughs> <laughs> so I'm going to read um, Ephesians 5:27. Actually, I'm not going to read it. I'm just going to refer to it because we had read it be just previously. 
Pastor Larry read it and it says, so we are to be holy without spot or blemish. She will be holy without fault. Now, so when we're, when the scripture's talking about this, we have to understand that, first of all, it's not talking about sin because we're not uh, without sin yet. The scripture's talking about um, our love walk because in Matthew 5, 48, it says here, but you are to be perfect as your father in heaven is perfect. So perfection, first of all, we have to understand too that at the cross of Christ, in all of God's fullness and all of who he is and what he does, God just, God doesn't have love. He is love. Amen. It's who he is. And all that that encompasses in all of the fullness of God's nature, all his attributes and who, who he is, is one word. It's love. So when we go through scripture and we're connecting scripture, it's talking about all the fullness of God and who he is and that perfection that is in love. So when Jesus is talking here and saying, you're to be perfect and be perfect as he is perfect, and that shows that you are a child of God. As children of God, then we are imitators of Christ, then the attribute of who he is, is love. And so like Jesus in his scripture tells us to take up our cross, follow him. In essence, what Jesus is telling us too there is take up your love walk and follow him. Mm -hmm. But it's not easy. We run into some problems, some snags, some distractions and things of the world that come um, in between what God is trying to do for us. And if we take our eyes off of him and we look at the world and what the world does, and that is our standard, then we get off when Jesus as Christians is supposed to be our standard. And so also in the scripture, he tells us, you know, we're, you know, in our love walk, Jesus says that we're not supposed to commit murder and hate. And that if we have hate in our heart, that that's not, that's not a good thing that we've already committed murder in our heart because we have hate. So that's a standard that God has. That's not the standard of the world. So when we're looking at, uh, we have right here, number one is we have a comfort problem. Don't we, Pastor Larry? Yes, we do. So, you know, there's probably tons of problems we could talk about, but a comfort problem is one of them. What is a comfort problem? You know, I think... um, more than ever before as Christians, especially here in North America, Christians are in a place of comfort where um, if it's not comfortable, we don't want to do it. If we're not comfortable, um, we, pr- we choose to withdraw. And we don't like to be uncomfortable. As humanity, we just don't like to be uncomfortable. Um, and so what this really means it's, it becomes a lifestyle issue. How can I be obedient to the great commandments and the great commission to go and make disciples if I'm not willing to put my comfort at risk? Do you understand what I'm saying? So true, could me? you say that if we're walking in love that we're going to have moments of discomfort? 100%. In fact, in fact we should welcome it. Mm-hmm. My wife and I like to walk when we can. Need to walk a little more, but we walk through our neighborhood. And uh, 
I tend to be, um, what would the word be? Hypersocial? Neighborly. Neighborly. I talk to people. Okay. I don't know. Maybe I grew up in a different world. Like people can walk by you on the street and not even greet you. I don't understand that. It doesn't make sense to me. I greet everybody. Like literally everybody. And sometimes people that don't want to be talked to, I'm talking to. And it's just like, yeah, you probably took that a little too far. <laughs> but I'm just, you have to step out of your comfort zone. Because by nature, I don't know, I like watching people, not talking to them. You know, <laughs> it's more fun. But we also have a vision problem, okay? And we go to church, we connect online, you know, our vision is clear. But sometimes when we step out the doors or turn the service off, our spiritual vision becomes blurry. I really think it's an identity issue at the, at the core. We don't know who we are as sons and daughters of God. And, and what happens is uh, we don't operate as God intended us to operate in the earth. How many times can you think of this week that you maybe didn't make the choice that God wanted you to make? I don't want to see hands. I probably can raise my own hands, you know. And, and the thing is, um, doesn't it talk about that we're supposed to get oil? So that we can see what's that the holy spirit you have to be connected to the holy spirit so that you can see the truth in fact one of the warnings to one of the seven churches yes. was asked for that that balm to clean our eyes so we can see clearly what's going on around us they're taking my lines <laughs> that clearly oh, is written in red that was my point i forgot to red. tell you they're not walking in love. service, everything gets mixed up. We do this every time. First service, it goes one way. Second service, everybody preaches everybody else's stuff. It's more fun. <laughs> Sorry. It's okay. Keep going. I want to listen to your, your perspective. It's good. Why don't you share with us what you were going to No, it's, I love your perspective. Keep going. Oh, I'm about ready to go to disruption, so you better finish that one. No, no I have no more thoughts. Like okay. Okay, well, if you two want to fight, I'll talk about disruption. You figure out your love walk, and I'm going to go into disruption, because you guys are disrupting me right now. <laughs> You know, how many, how many of you have experienced disruption in your life over the last two years? Yep. Anybody? Well, I thought I'd see more hands than that. I, I, I mean, I'm going to be completely honest with you. Here's me, disruption city. Yeah. Big time, you know? And um, I love traveling. And for some reason, just a simple trip is a big headache. Anyways, <laughs> disruption seems to have become a regular occurrence in our lives over the past couple of years, right? Perhaps the way we used to, uh, sorry, so how does this impact our ability to love our neighbor? We've been told that we're not supposed to spend time with our neighbor. We've been told we're supposed to social distance, right? And I don't want to get into a, a political thing here, but the reality is this. Whether we're complying with, you know, the government mandates or not, we have to find ways of fulfilling the law of love. And we have to. It's a sad indictment on the culture when you're praying for someone and, and you're ministering to them and they're weeping like, would it be okay if I gave you a hug? <laughs> It's a sad thing that they have to ask permission for us to just demonstrate an act of love. And, and I don't want to get into that either right now, but what happens is we're creatively, you know, the world has changed in the way we minister to people has got to change. And we, the church, have to learn to navigate that. Yep. 
And, and you know, it's not like these are the only challenges. I mean, I've been known to not be so kind to my children. I can be abrupt. I can be curt. I can be sharp. I mean, my wife and I have this conversation all the time because she'll ask a question, I'll answer it. And in my mind, I'm thinking, I'm just answering her question. She's going, why are you being so sharp with me? I'm sorry, I wasn't trying to be sharp with you. I was just trying to answer your question. But obviously, something in my tone communicated a lot stronger than I intended. Now, she's usually gracious with me, and she says, okay, what's going on here? And I'm like, just answering your question. Are you sure? Yep, okay, we're good, right? But um, my daughter's working down the hall right now, but I, I called her up at first service, and I, and I, I, I want to explain something. Um, the hardest part for us as ministers is God is working stuff out in our life all the time. Mm-hmm. Just right. like he's working stuff out in your life. Amen. And we have the privilege of sitting up here and sharing the word with you while he's still working on our lives <clears throat> in our imperfection, right? So today we'll highlight some of our imperfection while we're having the conversation. But it's just, that's the nature of sharing faith. Yeah. And, and in the community, you go share faith with others while God is working stuff out in your life as well. Amen. That's just the model. And uh, so I, I call my daughter for service because, you know, um, the one that I had to go pick up last night. And, and she's really actually encouraged me in something over the last few weeks. And I, and I wanted her to know that. And I wanted everyone else to know that too. Because when we got into this four weeks of giving, Okay, she was, she's working and she's saving her money because her phone is kind of uh, sad. It's cracked and it's broken. <laughs> and anyway, she needs, she needs to upgrade it. And, and she's gonna, and she's working on that. But um, when she heard about the four weeks of giving, she's like, well, I want to buy a meal for a police officer. I'm like, okay, well, go, go donate some money. Save some money and donate to that. And she goes, okay. And then um, I'll tell you what happened. Last year, by the time we got out of the service, there was no um, children's aid kids and left. They were all gone. Um, so this year, um, I guess maybe because of my connection on the ministry team, um, <laughs> I told Courtney, hey, get us a couple of those. My daughter wants to and my wife and I want to. So she got us the safe families and children's So yesterday we were shopping um, for uh, the gifts that we're going to buy for them and, and bless them with. But the thing that blessed my heart was my daughter was so excited to buy something for someone else and to bless them. And, and even this morning, there was a Christian novels on the one list that she got. And she was in the bookstore. And she goes, I found some novels. For, and she came in the middle of worship and she had to tell us she was so excited to yeah. give. And I love that heart. And that encourages me. We want to give. We, we try to live that way. We try to live to give and try to bless people. But... I love when I see that younger Joan, she's 15, and she's got her, but part of the conversation we had was she goes, oh, I don't need a new phone, I can get a new phone later. There's other things more important, I wanna bless people. And, and she'll, she'll get her new phone. But the point is, she was willing to sacrifice something that was important to her and set it aside so that others could be blessed. Yeah. That's kind of how our love walk works, isn't it? Mm-hmm. And you better go to 1 Corinthians 13, or we're going to be here all day. <laughs> okay. So I wanted to kind of bring out something. So when we're talking about our love walk, and we're in 
God working in us. Part of what we don't want to acknowledge and understand is when God is working on those aspects of our lives, that's when a lot of those, a lot of the uglies come out. Lots of uglies. And, we're not, and so when I'm talking about um, nothing purges selfishness, pride, arrogance, greed, lust, hate, um, you know, ambition, all of those things in our hearts more than when God says, I discipline those who I love. Mm-hmm. And that those who we love, you know, God, God is saying, I need to uh, have you grow up. I need to have some maturing happening in your life. So when we're talking about our love walk in 1 Corinthians, that everything, everything is encompassed in that one word that when God is talking about it. So we're going to read 1 Corinthians 13, 4 to 8. And so um, I, just, I said before that as Christians, we need to have an understanding and an awareness that we can't just open our Bible and read our Bible and gloss over our Bible. We need to come to a place where we are able to, as a part of maturing and, and being able to meditate and chew on the meat of the word, you know, not just the milk, but getting into the word is that we're able to study the word. Yeah. We need to be able to study the word. And we also need to be able to, in our Bible, be able to make connections. When, when God is talking about some things that we're able to know that it's not just in one place, it's in many places. You can make connections and cross-reference all kinds of things in the Bible when Jesus is talking about some things. So when I'm talking about love, you know, a scripture that we're very familiar with in um, Corinthians chapter 13, 4 to 8 says, love is patient and kind. So let's, let's stop right there. So if love is patient and kind, that's not the only place that we're seeing that in the scripture. We see that in other places in scripture where it admonishes us to be um, kind and loving. So in the Psalms, it says that we are to wear kindness around our neck as a necklace and never take it off. So we are to have kindness with us at all times. Um, Love is not jealous or boastful, proud or rude. How many times... Um, in our own life, are we trying to puff ourselves up or make ourselves feel better or make ourselves look better than what we are? And in our pride and in our arrogance, we have our ambition, we have what we want to do, we have our plan. And love doesn't do those things. Um, it doesn't demand its own way. So how many times do we want out of our own pride, our own ambition, that we want our own way? We want to make sure that we're vindicated, that we're right. Um, love is not but irritable. I am right. Okay, honey. You <laughs> love doesn't demand its own way. I know. Okay. I got to get better at that. <laughs> love is not irritable. And some of us need to say that after we've had coffee in the morning, right? Until we've had coffee. Love is not irritable. Um, it keeps... No record of being wrong. Okay. Stereotypically, men are much better at this than women. Oh, I... <laughs> Have you ever gone into an argument with a woman and she goes historical on you and starts bringing up everything you ever did? I mean, we've been married, what, 21 years, together 22, but like she's got stuff from 28 years ago, five years before. I'm like, how do you even know that? <laughs> Kidding. That's because you have your nothing box. Yeah. Yes. Men are pretty good at just dropping it. 
go to their nothing box, forget about it, you know? We do operate in our modes that way. But we really have to work hard to not keep record or wrong. Men can do it too. We keep record or wrong. Um, and then we tend to become more passive aggressive about it. But um, anyway, go ahead. Back to love. Love, yes. But okay. my wife loves me. I do. And if we keep up with all these disruptions, we'll never get through. Oh. <laughs> disruptions right? Right? by design. Oh my gosh. <laughs> Oh, believe me, we had a conversation about this long before we got to the stage and went live with it. <laughs> so when, I'm, when we're referring to love keeps no record of wrong. So I want to talk a little bit, just briefly, about forgiveness. And really, the essence of truly what forgiveness is in, in just the word forgiveness. You know, it means to give something that's not deserved. So if you're forgiving someone it means that you are forgiving them and they don't deserve it, but yet do you deserve the forgiveness that God gave you? Right? So when we're talking about, and so there are things in all of our lives and probably many of us sitting here right now where there have been, truly, there are some things and wrongs that have been done to you that were not in your control and that you need to be able to come to a place in your heart where you may not ever even be able to get the opportunity to have say to that person, I forgive you because they're never going to say sorry. They're never going to repent. But for you as the believer, you need to come to a place where you're saying, I will keep no record of that wrong. That's right. I will lay it before God's before God and allow him to deal with it. I will not keep that record of wrong. I need to leave it with him to deal with it. But nothing makes your... Uh, there's not much, you know, when God is working on your love walk, I'm, I'm telling you, like, it's not for the faint of heart. It is when God is working on your love walk and all that that encompasses and all the attributes of love and what it is, there's nothing that will squeeze your flesh more, that will make you scream more, that will make you put you in more discomfort more as a Christian when God is saying, I need you to grow up. I need you to mature I need you to be able to behave in these ways so that when this happens, when this circumstance comes up, when that happens, that you are responding in perfection, in the perfection of my love, because that's what love is. When Jesus is demanding of us and saying, you must be perfect as I am perfect, he's talking about this, what love is and all that encompasses, and that in every circumstance that we have, whatever comes at us, we're putting down our pride. We're putting down needing to get the last word in, ladies, right? We're going to let our husbands be right. We're not going to try to prove, prove that we're right all the time, right? Or we're not, when somebody else has wronged us and has hurt us, we're not going to make sure that they have to know how much they have hurt us and everything improved and make ourselves right, that they need to, they need to know how much they hurt us. Instead, we're, we're bringing that to God and we're laying that before him because he knows. And he can bring about truth. Amen. So um, let's keep going. Let's keep going down. Um, it keeps no record around. It does not rejoice about injustice, but rejoices whenever truth runs out. Love never gives up, never loses faith, and it's always hopeful. Endures through every circumstance, through everything. Prophecy and speaking in unknown language and special knowledge will become useless, but love will last forever. So you know the scriptures is telling us so. 
faith, hope, and love. The greatest of these is love, but faith and hope are what's encompassed in love. It, it's, it, it's all of it. It's everything. I want to talk about uh, 1 Corinthians 13, 2 and 3. And see, here's another place here in scripture that I want to bring your attention to that we have to understand and be aware that we have to take the time when we're reading scripture to like stop and ponder what we have read and the magnitude and of what God is saying here. So in 13 verses two to three, it says, if I had the gift of prophecy and if I understood all, everybody say all, all. of God's secret plans, possessed all, there it is again, everybody say all, all, all knowledge. If I had such faith that I can move mountains, but didn't love others, I would be nothing. Like, you, right there, like we need to stop and think about that. Like, God is saying, if you knew everything that I know, if you know all of my secret plans, if you have all knowledge, but you don't walk in love, you have nothing. Nothing. That's very sobering. It even goes on. Yeah. I give everything away to the poor and I sacrifice my body. I could boast, look at me. But if I don't love others, what would I have gained? And Jesus says that too in the New Testament when he talks about if you have everything, everything that the world has to offer, what does it profit you? Nothing. That we need to be looking at these scriptures and, and taking into account what the Lord is saying in these scriptures and actually um, being able to say, okay, Lord, this is really profound. This is something that is meat in the word. That if I'm just going to gloss over it, it's only going to be milk. But if I want it to be meat in the word and meat in my life, and if I want Jesus to do a maturing process in my life and in my love walk, then that means that I'm going to have to sit on this and go, wow, you know what? This is, there's some things in here that I can work on. There's some, there's some things that God is working on in my life. And I just want to point out to you too that um, true love, God's love, always, 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 and at all times is your choice. It's a choice. Jesus chose to give up his life and die on the cross because he loved us. Love, biblical love of God, never has manipulation in it, coercion or lies, never. It's always a choice. God said the most important decision that you're gonna make, the most important one that determines your destination and your eternity, he left it to you even though he loves you, even though he would want to do anything that he possibly could to have you say yes, he's like, it's your choice. He did a lot. He did a lot. He did a lot. But he still says, it's your choice. You choose yes or no. There's always a choice and there's never any manipulation or duress or lies involved in the true love that God has. It's, it's complete purity. It's complete truth. But the enemy works in the other way. 
He works in the world the completely opposite way. And what's the opposite of love? It's fear. Mm -hmm. Perfect love casts out fear. And the, way, the matur this is why the bride, if we understand this really well, if the bride is coming into her glory, the bride is coming into without fault, no blemish, without spot, and she's coming into walking in love, fear has no place. So you can face whatever's coming in perfect love and react, respond to every circumstance and every situation that the world has because the end is coming. We're in the end of days now. And if we're not walking in love, we're going to walk in fear instead. And that's what the enemy wants. And in that fear is manipulation. It's lies. It's coercion. It's perversion. It's deception that will cover your eyes and that you won't be able to see and you will not have the oil purchased from the Holy Spirit to help you to see in truth because you're walking in fear. And we have to be able to discern that fear in our lives and cast it down and say, no. No weapon formed against me will prosper. And I am choosing, Lord God, that you would work on my love walk and I would learn to walk in love. Because as the bride of Christ, that's what it means for us to be able to cast off fear and face what's before us. And to be able to be in unity as a, as a bride coming together without spot or blemish. Let's switch gears here just a little bit. Everybody likes gifts, right? Christmas is the season of giving. Christmas is the season of giving. Four weeks of giving. And you know, but how often in the Christmas season do we focus on the gift more than the giver of the gift? Right? Am I alone on that? No? No? I'm not alone. Okay, good. But see, we all, as a believer, as followers of Jesus Christ, we have all received gifts, right? Ephesians 4, verses 11 to 16. Now, these are the gifts Christ gave the church, the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, and the pastors and teachers. Notice, they are gifts to the church. They are gifts to the church with a purpose. And sometimes we get caught up in the gift and we focus on the gift and then we have expectations for the gift and we lose sight of the giver and the reason for the gift. Listen, their responsibility is to equip God's people to do his work and build up the church, the body of Christ. This will continue until we have all come to such unity in our faith and knowledge of God's son that we will be mature in the Lord, measuring up to the full and complete standard of Christ. Christ has a standard for the church to be glorious. That's the standard. But the gift is there, appointed by God, called by God for the purpose of maturing the body. That means we need to acknowledge that, we need to receive that, and with that, as much of what we've talked about is the correction sometimes, the acknowledgement that, you know, I have to forgive the offense. 
And listen to this. Then he says, then you will, then we will no longer be immature like children. Do you remember when you were growing up, you hated being called immature? I'm a teenager now. I'm not an immature little child anymore. But you know what? When we do not walk in love, we are immature. We're immature. Then we will no longer be immature like children. We won't be tossed and blown about by every wind of new teaching. We will not be influenced when people try to trick us with lies so clever they sound like the truth. In other words, we won't be deceived. Instead, we will speak truth in love. Again, love. Growing in every way more and more like Christ, who is the head of his body, the church. He makes the whole body fit together perfectly as each part does its own special work. It helps the other parts grow so that the whole body is healthy and growing and full of love. Not division, distinction. Each part has a, go- a role. Every single one of us, as a body of Christ, we have a function and a role that is unique to us. And as we operate in that function, we may be distinct from others in the church. Stop the compare thing because that's not love. That's right. And we operate together, all focusing on Jesus Christ, who is love. He is that perfect example of love. So as we start wrapping up this series, we've seen the, the glory of God revealed in his, in his heart towards mankind. We've seen his purpose for the church that we're to walk in love. But we touched on it a little bit last week, but the truth is there is suffering in Christianity. There is submission to the will of God in Christianity, and there is sacrifice in Christianity. And you know, some of the North American gospel, they like to leave those parts out of the message, but the complete message requires that there's times when it's going to be challenging when you die to yourself, to your selfish ambition and your self-will, and you don't always get what you want, especially in your own timeline, you know? And, And there's going to be sacrifice where God is calling you to lay down your life, your time, your talent, your treasure to bless others. There's going to be submission where God tells you to do something that you don't really want to do, but you're going to do it because you're obedient. And in this, it leads to a question of, is Jesus really your Lord? Yeah. And and, and this is what it comes down to. When the pressure's on, what do you run to? Do you run to porn? Alcohol? Drugs, television, internet, I don't know, relationships. What are you running to? Or do you run to the foot of the cross? See, if our love walk is complete and we love people, we run to the cross, we lay our burdens down, we exchange the negative things for life and peace and grace and hope. And that's where the transformation takes place as you die to yourself. Mm-hmm. And, and Paul says, he even says it, he says, I die daily. And some of us, we have to die multiple times every day. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You have to remember, I have to go back to the cross and lay that down. Mm-hmm. 
It's not working out how I think it should. I have to take that to the cross and let God deal with it. Because the truth is, when you release forgiveness, you're returning to God the right to judge the situation as he needs to and be involved in it. As long as you hold unforgiveness, not helping it, not helping anyone. Uh, but let's, let's stand up together because I really feel right now at this point in the service, God wants to bring his body to a higher level. The, the glorious church that we're talking about our love walk has to, has to go to the next level because I feel like we're never going to effectively reach the world around us if we can't walk in love. If we can't walk in love towards others, if we can't lay down our life sacrificially, if we can't, if we can't give up those things that we want. So as we're looking at this and having these conversations, I think all of us have things in our life that we're trying to work out, but we'd like to open the altar, you know, and you can come down and take communion with us at the altar today as a point of contact, but really the altar is, is, is a place where something in your life is gonna die and something else is gonna come alive. And there's some works of the flesh, there's some wrong concepts of God, there's a wrong concept of relationship, there's wrong concepts of others and what they think and believe, there's wrong ideas. Some of you even have wrong ideas about the motive for four weeks of giving. Hmm. You've, got a, you've got a misconception about why we would do that to be a blessing. And you're arguing in your mind when you were watching the, the, the commercial. But, but see, what happens is God's working things out in our lives today. And you have to stay in that process because the second you stop, you start backsliding and moving away from him. And the altar is going to be open. And, and, you know, if you want to exchange something, you need change in your life. If everything's not perfect in your life, you might want to come down to the front and lay something down. Maybe pride. Maybe, maybe you know, oh, I'm shy and what will others think? No. Nope. That's not a proper concept. That's not a son or a daughter talking. That's a fear-based behavior, right? That's not the love walk if you're concerned what others think, right? And, and, and what happens is we can, we can talk more. I can even create a whole series of statements that will manipulate people. I don't want to manipulate you. God works on people's hearts. God's working on your heart. You need to be at the front. You should come down here while we take communion together. And um, we're going to uh, go into the bread. And I just want to read this verse. Then I heard again what sounded like the shout of a vast crowd or the roar of a mighty ocean waves or the crash of loud thunder. Praise the Lord for the Lord our God, the Almighty reigns. Let us be glad and rejoice. Let us give honor to him for the time has come for the wedding feast of the lamb and his bride has prepared herself. She's been given the finest pure white linen to wear. For the fine linen represents the good deeds of God's holy people. And the angel said, write this, blessed are those who are invited to the wedding feast of the lamb. And these are the true words that come from God. Father, today, I thank you that we, your church, are in process. We're becoming more like Jesus. We're imitating him each day and we're becoming glorious without spot, without blemish, without wrinkle. Lord, we only are transformed in your presence 
and because of the blood of Jesus that was shed. So I ask that every man, woman, and child in this room today, that you're working on our hearts, yeah. that you're working the junk out and you're putting your peace in and your love. We can, you know, Father, I thank you that some people have a hard time receiving love from you for various reasons, but I ask that you're gonna pour out your love upon their life right now. Because if they can't receive love from you, they'll never give it to others. I thank you that you're working in our hearts right now, God, to call us out to where we should be, the place of maturity. Help us frame things from your perspective. Help us get rid of all those wrong ideas and wrong concepts of you. Father, we receive life, health, emotional freedom, freedom from bondage. In Jesus' name. Father God, whatever it is that we have come to surrender to you this morning, Father God, you are enough. You are all I need. And as I partake of this cup this morning, Father God, I am reminded of all that you have done that I can walk in love. Father God, I surrender my problems to you, Lord. I lay them down at your feet, Father God. In my imperfection, Father God, I surrender myself to you so that you can be perfect through me because your grace is sufficient. It's all I need. Father God, I thank you for your son who shed his blood, Jesus Christ, that I might have life and may have it to the full. I'm reminded this morning as I partake of this cup and I just honor you and I praise you and I give you all the glory in Jesus' name. Now unto him who's able to do far more abundantly than all that we ask or think according to the power at work within us. To him be glory in the church and in Jesus Christ throughout all generations forever and ever. Amen. God bless you.